Well, some good questions as we're leaving, right? John chapter 7 is where we're at. John chapter 7. I just created some work for you uh, parents to do. And uh, if, I've, if I've dug you a little bit of a hole and you need some help, you've got my number right on the back of the bulletin. And, uh, and I can, uh, we, we can walk you through some of that stuff about baptism. <clears throat> I, uh, I oftentimes get annoyed with my own kids because of their rambunctiousness and their craziness. But God has really checked me recently to say, you know what, Marshall, I wish you had a little more rambunctiousness about you and a little more craziness about you, a little more life about you, because a lot of times you seem frozen up as an adult. You know, I can't find joy anymore playing with Hot Wheels. I used to find hours and hours of joy imagining a Hot Wheels world. Now when I sit down to play with my children, it's drudgery, honestly. Something has frozen Something is frozen about my imagination. And God said, you know what? You need to rekindle that, big guy. And I've been asking him to help me do that, to find play in my life. I don't want to lose that. Turn with me to John chapter 7. I invite you to look at just a few verses here in the midst of this very powerful gospel. By many accounts, uh, the gospel of John is... According to many scholars, the most important book in the Bible. Notice this uh, chapter 7 reading from verse 37. We'll pick up midway through. Notice these words. On the last day of the feast, that is the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your holy word. And even though sometimes, just as in this passage, we're like a little kid and don't understand all of what you're saying. Lord, would you bring your understanding to our hearts? Would you bring that sweet Holy Spirit, that spirit of fire to our hearts? Pour out that same spirit that was poured out upon you at your baptism upon us in this place today, as we remember our baptism, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Yesterday, I had to do a couple things, one of which was come to the church here, and uh, went a few places and uh, visited a few bathrooms and saw some sinks yesterday, and I noticed something very interesting and odd yesterday, and that is, there were all these sinks, and everywhere I went, every bathroom I visited, every sink that I saw was dripping, even in my office, and uh, the bathroom here was, was dripping water. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on, you know? So I'm shutting off all these water things. I'm just kidding, I didn't really do that. Um, you know, do you, no? Yeah, exactly. That kind of fell flat, didn't it? Um, <clears throat> what? <laughs> you got it. Okay, you got it. It just wasn't funny. All right, I understand. Um, and so I was turning them all off, and I realized, no, I shouldn't be doing this right because it's going to be really cold. I really wasn't turning them off. But nonetheless, the point is this. Look, if you want to keep your pipes from freezing on a cold night like last night, 
I mean, some of you may not have even had hot water this morning. I don't know. My, uh, my electricity was really scaring me. I took a super quick bath or shower this morning because I didn't know if it was going to last or not. But if you want your pipes not to freeze, there's really two things you can do. You can leave the water running and you can wrap them up. The Lord spoke to me and said, hey, you know what? Spiritually speaking, if you don't want to freeze up in your Christian life, you don't want the waters of baptism that once rejuvenated you to freeze up in your life, if you don't want to become some stale, crystal, tasteless thing that's iced over, you've got to keep the water flowing. And be wrapped up in the things of God. You see, we're always in danger as humans of drought. We leak, don't we? We leak. You know it. I know it. We do things to clean it up. It's something that happens every single day for us. And we leak spiritually as well. In other words, once is not enough. Just because you had an experience with God 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 30 minutes ago, doesn't mean it's the end. Any more than when I first met Jessica, that wasn't the end, but the beginning. Not only that, we are in danger of freezing to death as Christians. It's funny when you, I've never done this before, but I read um, Dante's Inferno uh, a couple years back at the beach. And I try to read something crazy when we go on vacation, you know, just something I wouldn't normally read. And it was fascinating. Once you got down to, you know, there's all these different layers of hell and all these different scenes and it's crazy. You get down to the bottom and you finally meet Satan. You know, you met all these other demons and all this kind of crazy stuff going on. You find, and what is Satan doing? He's not in some inferno with a pitchfork blasting people like a dragon. He's stuck in ice. He can't even move. He's iced. I think he, Dante was right. We, his ploy for us is to freeze him to death. Elton Trueblood said, perhaps the greatest single weakness of the contemporary Christian church is that millions of supposed members are not really involved at all. And what is worse, do not think it strange that they are not. As soon as we recognize Christ's intention to make his church a militant company, we understand at once that the conventional arrangement cannot suffice. There is no real chance of victory in a campaign if 90% of the soldiers are untrained and uninvolved. But that is exactly where we stand now. Early on in the days of Harvest Point, uh, whoever came had to jump in and help. <laughs> I mean, you know, there wasn't even a service or anything. I mean, we just, we just gathered together and everybody just was expected to do stuff. And as we've grown in numbers, I've seen this relaxation that has happened. Somebody else will do it. 
oh, that's so-and-so's job. I'm afraid Satan has taken us up in his arms and started rocking us to sleep. He's iced some of us in such a way that we don't get to use our gifts. But I've got good news. This year, 2017, where we're steering the ship is to head in a direction of service. We want you to join in. It's what God wants for his church. You know John 6 is the longest chapter in the Gospel of John. He also talks about the Lord's Supper. And now in 7, he's talking about this living water. Which, by the way, if you really want to look up the uh, quotation here that, he's refer- that Jesus referenced, is in Isaiah, all over the place. Living waters in the desert. What does that remind you of? Well, the children of Israel in the desert, the rock, water comes forth. And the good news is this. No matter what kind of desert you feel like you're in, God can bring water to that desert. No matter how much you feel like you've frozen up, the Holy Spirit can descend and melt away the ice. And here's what he says. He says this, look, I will give you living water that springs up from your heart. In other words, God's desire for you It's not for you just to sign up for something just because you want to sign up for something because you feel like you have to do something. It should flow out of a heart that cannot contain the love of God. If you felt like you've done enough as a Christian, you haven't ever met Jesus. You don't know the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. Dr. Kinlaw, who I would super look up to, he's in his 90s now, still living. Another pastor, Dr. Dallas Baggett, again, in his 90s, still living. They still are amazed at the Word of God. If we hear his words, if we can literally sit here as Justin reads those words and as we speak those words, to you, and we're not amazed... If we can talk about the things of God and not be just blown out of our socks, then we're frozen. Frozen in sin. And the only one who can help is the spirit of fire, the flame of love. Remember tongues of what fire fell upon them. You can't contain fire. It's not something you just, hey, I got a little fire here that I want to share with you. No, you can do that with ice, but not with fire. It's funny. Some would say, you know what? I don't really like following the church calendar and being all formal and this kind of... I always just kind of find it funny because I grew up that way. And yet... I've turned to the church calendar so much that every single week we tell you where we're at in the church's calendar, not the world's calendar, but the church's calendar. 
And here, when I read something like this, I'm just immediately struck in the face. Jesus was what doing what here? On the last day of the feast, he was following the calendar of the Jews. Not of the Romans, but of the Jews because he was Jewish. Here he is on the last day of the feast, and he makes this claim. Now, one of the things at Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths, was supposed to remember when they had to live in tents. So in other words, God said, I want to institute a holy day. Actually, it was seven days. Where, where you go and you live back in a tent to remind yourself of the time when your ancestors lived in tents. And the priest at the end would pour water into the laver, which is a, which is a foreshadowing of baptism. And here Jesus says this when he does that. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me and drink. Just as he told the woman at the well. Woman, if you knew what you were asking, you'd be asking me for a drink of water. Because you'd never have to go anywhere else. But we do, don't we? We try to, we try to drink and we try to do other things to fill our life. and never work. Eternal life, the satisfied life, the holy life, the happy life is one that is found in Jesus Christ alone. We live for so many other things. And when we do, we find ourselves waking up in a desert. We find ourselves frozen, unable to do what we know we are called to do. What is it that we're called to do this morning? How can we melt away this frozenness? Find a stream in the desert? Well, turn to Jesus. It's real simple and yet, and yet, it's the hardest thing in the world. We can't do it on our own. I tell my kids when they fight with each other, which is kind of an everyday occurrence. I'm confessing to you. I say to them, I say, just be kind to each other. It's real simple, right? Just be kind. But in the moment, in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the desert, when the sun's beating down on you and you can only see what's right in front of you, it seems like it's the biggest thing in the world, doesn't it? Kind of like my rope illustration. This is our life. This little section right here is roughly our 72 years or 75 years, whatever the average is right now for male and female. We feel like, oh man, this is what's so important right here when I retire and when I get done, I just want to kick my feet up finally. I'm going to work really hard right here and forsake my family and wife and church and all this for what? A few years of retirement? I think, kind of, kind of going on a limb here, I think we have some retired people here that would tell you there's something more to live for than retirement. There's a final retirement, you see, that lasts for all eternity. And our job as Christians is not done. It's not done until we take our final breath. I was reading, in, uh, I was reading uh, John Wesley's journal 
uh, every year he would do a renewal service like what we're going to do, where he renewed his covenant to God. And as the years wore on, it was every single year for like 15, 20 years of his, of his, of his life, he got to the last year of his life, and he kept saying like five years out, he kept saying, well, if this is the last year of my life, I'm going to go out on a bank. You know, well, he finally got, it is the last year. We actually have his last journal entry, and he said, my hand is shaking uncontrollably. I wake up every morning and my throat is dry. I know it won't be long now, but I can still preach and write about the good news of Jesus. That man died in his 80s, back in the 1700s, not in a hospital, but around friends. And his dying words was, the best of all is, God is with us. That was the last thing he said, because you know what? He was headed to eternity. He lived, not just for some retirement, some utopia that many never even get to, but instead for eternity. If you want to have the river of life flowing through you, turn to Jesus. He's the only one who offers living water. And then, once you've renewed yourself to Jesus, renew yourself to his body, the church. For how? Please explain how we could serve Jesus who is our head if we don't serve his body. We do not serve a decapitated Lord, but rather Jesus comes with a body. Now look around the room real quick. Just take a gander. Look at somebody in their eyeballs. That's the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. Let me challenge you with something. That's the body of Christ. Are you giving yourself to this body? If you say you're a member of this body, are you giving yourselves to the members of this body? If you're not, then I'm at a loss on how you are a member of the body. It's not just a name on a piece of paper. I can delete that just in a couple of swipes. No, it's a heavenly, heavenly name. Written in eternity with a family that will last forever, not 70 years, forever. There's mothers, there's fathers, there's brothers, there's sisters in the faith right here in this church. We need to give ourselves to them, look out for one another in love, bear one another in love. For it's what Christ did. There's only a few examples where he actually was with the multitudes. There's more examples where he's with his disciples. This is the multitude, friends. Where are we with the disciples? Let us renew our covenant to Jesus. Let us renew our covenant to his body. And let us renew our covenant to the lost. Because of our frozen state, sometimes we never even see those who need Jesus. 
Sometimes they're in our house. Other times they're at our work. God, it's crazy, but God wants to use you to reach people. That's not my job. In my own personal life, I have people God has called me to. I know their name. I can tell you right now. And it's a tough road, some of them. It's going to be a long road. But I'm called to give myself to those people. Not the people in your neighborhood. It's not my neighborhood. That's not my circle of influence. But it's yours. My granny was 104 when she passed away. And to her dying day, when she prayed, you felt as if you were in the presence of God. When she prayed for you, I mean, she was bringing heaven down to earth. And when she prayed, without doubt, every time she prayed, without doubt, she would pray for the lost. She never prayed that I didn't hear her pray for people who didn't know Jesus. And when she would pray for them, that's the point in the prayer where she would start crying. Her voice would get weak and start cracking because of her love for people who didn't know Jesus. It's easy. It's supposed to be easy to love your brothers and sisters in the faith. In church, in small groups, that that should be easy to love each other. But the lost, the lost, those are the ones that only God can deposit a love for them. Where he's literally hanging on the cross and he looks down naked and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Because he had a love for the lost. Do you? He's your head. This is his body. What we're about is reaching the lost. Not gathering a nice, comfortable church so we can all go to sleep together. But instead, constantly being pushed out on mission with God. That's where the river's flowing. The river of life is flowing with or without you. God's heart is for the lost. We're steering the ship to where he wants us to go. Will you come aboard? Will you allow him to deposit in you the river of life? That's not controlled by you, but him. A love for his body. Service to his body. And a love for the lost. It's what he's asking from you today. And let's just be real. Let's just be real. Sometimes everything sounds nice and grand. But I'm going to ask you to renew your vows to Jesus. Many of you are baptized Christians. Renew what was done many years ago or even recently in your life. Renew that today. We're going to do it by water. And we're going to do it Asking God to forgive us where we failed him. Because I'm, listen, I'm, I'm going to have to be doing that. If you ever feel like you get kicked in the shin when you come to church because of a sermon, I got kicked in the head first, right? I'm kind of downplaying a little bit for you when I kick you in the shin because I'm saying something 
God wants to wake us up. He wants us to come alive with fire from above. He wants to bring his water to whoosh in and blow away all the things that don't matter. Will you renew yourself to Jesus, to his body, to the lost? If you will, join me in this prayer to the Holy Spirit. Many of you may know it. Say it with me this morning. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And you will renew the face of the earth. Lord, by the light of the Holy Spirit, you have taught the hearts of your faithful in the same spirit. Let us and always rejoice in your consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Would somebody mind going and getting the children?